0: Welcome back folks to part three in our You Were Made For This series where we're exploring two of the biggest questions that people across the world throughout history have grappled with. Who am I and why am I here? Questions about identity and purpose and so far we've been thinking about what God says over our identity and what God has given us in terms of authority And so this morning, what I want to think about is in light of our God-given identity and authority, what should we do with our one unique life and where do we start? Questions around clarity and priority. In March 2017, the YouTuber Jimmy Donaldson filmed himself counting up to 200,000. It took him over 55 hours, although he had to speed up the video because YouTube doesn't allow a video more than 24 hours. Uh, Thus far, over 3 million people have viewed that video, although I, I can't imagine anyone sat through the whole 23 hours and 34 minutes. Now, I don't know what you think about that. Is that weird? Is that cool? Is that crazy? Maybe you're like me, you're just thinking like, why? Why would you do that? Because I'm sure there are bigger and better things that we can give our lives to, a greater purpose than that. For example, we were all inspired, weren't we, in April 2020 when 99-year-old Captain Tom Moore decided in the midst of the COVID crisis that he would walk 100 lengths of his garden by his 100th birthday in order to raise £1,000 for the NHS. Tom's commitment to do something good for someone else captivated the hearts of a nation. And at the end of his campaign, he had raised over 32 million pounds. Or did anyone notice the amazing actions of Pat Smith, who in 2018, age 69, resolved that she was going to clean up 52 beaches in Devon and Cornwall as a New Year's resolution? And so Pat decides every week she'll clean up a beach, clearing up all the litter and making it good. She was even out on Christmas Day. She said about this, I am driven to try and protect our living planet for my children and grandchildren. And I will continue to do everything in my power to achieve that. I don't know if you heard this inspiring story of nine-year-old Ryan Coyote in 2019. Ryan heard that a five-year-old child in a local school was denied lunch because their parents hadn't been able to pay for the previous lunch bills. And Ryan was so upset by this that he found out the total debt of all of the outstanding lunch bills. He saved up his allowance and rather than spending that money on trainers and toys... He gathered it all up, and then he handed $74.80 to the school office, telling the office administrator, can you let my friends know they don't owe any more money? And then apparently he skipped off merrily to his class. Like, what is it about these stories that captivate our attention? And I think the first thing is that they are right. There is something good about them. There's something admirable about them. There's something that happens deep within us when we hear these stories where it's as if our soul is saying, yes, this is what life is truly about, being other-centered, existing for the good of others. It's, it's right but i think secondly these stories captivate us because we th- we see that these things are rare they don't happen as often as they should we live in a world that is me centered and me focused and so we catch our breath when we see someone behaving so counterculturally We're captivated by these stories because they draw us back to our true purpose, to take who we are, our identity, and what we have, our authority, and use it for the good of others, for the good of creation, and for us as followers of Jesus to bring glory to the God who created us. So our question today is, so how do I put who God made me to be and what what God has given me to use in the world? We need clarity around a cause, a sense of what our one unique life is called to. Because that's what we mean when we talk about someone having a sense of vocation. You can just have a job if you want to, but if you embrace a vocation, then you're embracing a sense of calling, because the Latin word vocare literally means that. It means to be called. I want to ask you, what do you feel called to in accordance with your gifts and passions and experience? And I love the fact that this word vocation is sometimes translated voice. It's, the, it's like God has given each and every one of us a unique voice, a unique sound. I mean, think about this for a moment. In the history of the universe, there will never, ever be another you. So don't waste your time wishing you looked like someone else, had someone else's gift, someone else's life, someone else's money, someone else's look, someone else's job. Comparison kills calling. Like, don't try to be anyone else. Be you. Everyone else is taken. And what the world needs, what God needs, is for you to step up and take your place. What the world needs is the sound of your voice to be heard, your song, your voice voice. So how do you discover your song, your unique sound? Now on one level, God has created each and every one of us to join in his song. There is a song of the Lord that we're invited to be a part of. We were ultimately created to know God, to live for God, and to become like his son, Jesus. And we should all long to become like Jesus. That's what it means to be a a disciple. A disciple, the Greek word is mathetes, and it means an apprentice, someone who is learning to become like Jesus. And the more like Jesus we become, the more free we become from sin and death, and and the more free we become for the good life that God's created us for. We should all long to become like Jesus. Jesus In Matthew 22 verse 34 to uh, 40 Jesus tells us that the greatest and most perfect command is this to love the Lord your God with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself and and that's the life that Jesus perfectly lived loving God with all his heart loving his neighbor loving himself he is our example our role model our lord and savior we want to be like him Because if we embrace that song of the Lord, which is the song of love in creation, it reminds us of these three things. That we are called to love God completely with our whole being through a life of obedience. We demonstrate that we love God by living the life that he created us to live. We love others compassionately through a life of service, where we're sacrificially speaking and doing things for the good of other people. We love ourselves correctly through a life of humility where we have a truthful, honest estimation of ourselves. We know we are imperfect human beings but who are perfectly loved by God. And so in a sense, this is our shared calling. This is our shared song. We are all invited into God's choir singing the song of the Lord in the whole of creation, the song of love. But just like in a normal choir, God's choir, you and I, we all have our unique sound. Every single voice is different. There are melodies and harmonies. There is a uniqueness. And so once we all have this common purpose about loving God, loving others, loving ourselves, outworked in creation... We also have, as we've been discovering in our journey, this unique mix of gifts and abilities and skills and passions and experience that help us understand our unique sound in the world and in the song. Writer and theologian Frederick Boothner once said, the place where God calls you is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. A place where you can bring your passions and gifts and experience to a place of need in the world. And guess what, friends? Like This is not rocket science, the way God works. like God actually always works the same way. This is so, so crazy. You're going to want your money back because I invite you to write down seven words. Because this is the way that God works in the world. Are you ready? Here we go. God invites someone to do something somewhere. That's it. God invites someone to do something somewhere. That's how you change the world. That's how you see heaven break out. That's how you see more of the goodness of God released into a suffering world. God starts with a person who is willing and available to make a difference for the kingdom of God somewhere and somehow. Someone has to do something somewhere. And we see that all throughout the biblical story. In Genesis, uh, we see the story of Joseph providing food in the midst of a terrible famine in Egypt. In the book of 1 Samuel, David defeats the fearsome enemy giant Goliath in Israel. In the book of Esther, Esther rescues her people from annihilation in Persia. In the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. In the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Jesus, the Son of the living God, bears the full consequences of sin and death of the whole world for the whole of history on a cross in Golgotha. In the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul travels all around Europe introducing Gentiles to Jesus. Someone has to be willing to do something somewhere. Which brings us to the question, therefore, of priority. Where do you start? Well, think about what I've said. You start with someone. That's you today. You start with you being willing to be used by God in the world. Like This is not a time to look around. This is not a time to wonder what God is doing with someone else. Whatever you think about yourself today, the good news is this. God has chosen you. He's chosen you for his choir to sing the Lord's song wherever you find yourself. However good you think you can sing doesn't matter. God is more interested in your availability than your ability. And when you submit to him and surrender to him and make yourself available, God is able to make the sound of your life beautiful when you surrender it to him you will be amazed what you can do if you would every morning simply get up and say, Jesus, whatever you are up to today, count me in. I make myself available. Where do you start? You start with you. And then as we think about somewhere, what is your somewhere? Where are you? Where's your situation work-wise, home-wise, neighborhood-wise, community? Where are the spaces and places of influence that God has planted you right now? What in the world has caught your attention? What gets you up in the morning? What's wrong that you want to put right? What potential do you see? What joy and beauty do you want to bring to the world? What lids do you want to see lifted? What comfort, kindness, and goodness do you want to bring? Where do you start? You start with what you see. You start with what's right in front of you. Then we think about the something. Well, what are the needs in those spaces and places? How can you bring your best self, your gifts, passions, experience, and talents to those places? Like, where do you start? You start by doing something somewhere in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the story of William Carey. He was an English minister in the 18th and 19th century. And he didn't start life too well, and he he got definitely a substandard education. But he resolved to work hard and lead with what was right ahead of him. Start small, see what God might do. And so as he kind of enters his 20s, by the time he's uh, at that stage of life, he now can read the Bible in six languages. And as a result of his multilingual abilities, he ends up going to India to become a missionary. He founds a mission there, becomes a college professor there and a publisher. And his mission ends up printing the Bible in 40 different languages. More than, as a result of this, 300 million people were able to read the Bible because of what he did. In the latter years of his life, Kerry was once asked, like, how did you achieve so much? How did you ha- make such a big impact for God in the world? And he famously replied with these words. He said, I am a plodder. Anything beyond this will be too much. I can plod. This is my only genius. I can persevere in any definite pursuit to this. I owe everything. I can plod. You see, God did something incredible through the life of William Carey because he simply made himself available. He, he was willing to be committed to do something somewhere and see what God will do to lead from where he was and then journey with God. Like Eugene Peterson said, he embraced a long obedience in the same direction, a long obedience in the same direction. And remember, trying to do everything is just as bad as doing nothing at all. Because where there are loads of priorities, then there are no priorities. Everything can't be equally important. We will always achieve the greatest impact by investing our life in a small number of things. I mean, think about the example of Jesus. Like Jesus had huge demands on his time, crowds flocking to him every day for his life-giving teaching and his incredible uh, healing ministry. But Jesus actually devoted most of his time to two priorities. Priority one was his time with the Father. Jesus repeatedly spoke, particularly in John's Gospel. He said things like this, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I hear the Father saying. I only go where I sense the Father is going. And how did he know that? Because of times of retreat, times of intimacy, times with being with the Father, drawing close, listening to that still, small whisper of God, and then surrendering to it. That is a brilliant example for each of us to follow. If you want to know what God is leading you into, you're you're somewhere, something, then time with God is such a high priority. But then the second priority that Jesus had is time with his disciples. Like That was the other area that he invested more time than anything else. We're told that he had 72 disciples, but even within that, he had 12. And even within the 12, he devoted even more time to investing in Peter, James, and John. And who burst the early church in Acts chapter 2? Peter, James, and John. Because Jesus understood that the greater the focus, the smaller the number of things you invest in, even the smaller the number of people you invest in, the greater the impact you will have. You cannot do everything, but you must do something somewhere, starting today. Like I I think about King David, like King David, hundreds of years before Jesus, he was a phenomenal musician. If you turn to the center of your Bible, like he's written half of the songs in the book of Psalms. He was amazing. We're still enjoying them 3,000 years later. But actually that wasn't his main calling. His main calling was to be king. And I've seen this time and time again. I've seen that there are numerous things that you and I may be good at, things that we enjoy, things that bless other people. Go for those things, do those things, but understand that usually there are one or two things that trump everything that you will invest most of your time and energy because that's where you're going to bring your biggest impact in the world. How do we discern those things, though? How do we understand those things? Well, in the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 3, Solomon, the author, reminds us that life comes to us in seasons. Seasons come and seasons go. And so for me, I've learned a really important question or two questions that, that help me stay focused on, on where God is at work and what he's inviting me to. And the two questions are this, what season am I in right now? And what does God require of me? in this season? What season am I in right now? And what does God require of me in this season? My youngest son, Dan, was 25 years old uh, yesterday, and we celebrated his birthday. He was brilliant. But you know what, like, Dan doesn't require as much of my time and attention as he did when he was a child, definitely even when he was a baby. Like, when my kids were much younger, my season of life was absolutely about investing more time and energy in my family than anything else. But now they're older, they're more independent, they don't demand as much. We have life in seasons. Some seasons sometimes last a few months, sometimes a few years, sometimes seasons can last decades, but it's a good, healthy life and spiritual practice to pause regularly and step back prayerfully and ask yourself, what season am I in? What is happening in the atmosphere and in the environment of my life, and what does God require of me in terms of how I respond to it? It's something I hope will help you as you reflect about doing something somewhere starting today. And as you do that, remember that ultimately what God is requiring of us as we make ourselves available to do something somewhere is that we are to be faithful. God is far more interested in our faithfulness than our success. God doesn't guarantee success. God doesn't even ultimately reward success. He rewards faithfulness, stickability, that long obedience in the same direction. Keeping on, keeping on, even when hell is breaking loose, even when you're discouraged and disappointed, you keep on keeping on because you know you're in the place that God has you. We're called to faithfulness. It reminds me in this closing story of a guy called John Kavanagh. And John Kavanagh was an American guy and he was feeling a little lost in life and so he decided to serve for three months in the house of the dying in Kolkata with Mother Teresa. And when he arrived uh, at that place, he knew that everyone gets an audience with Mother Teresa, and she always asks them a question at the beginning of their volunteer time. What can I do for you? And so this is what this, this amazing uh, godly woman asks this American guy. As he's searching for meaning and purpose. What can I do for you, John? And John looks at her and says, would you pray for me? please, would you pray for me? And she said, of course, I will pray for you. What do you want me to pray? And he said, would you pray that I have clarity, that I know exactly what my life is about, that I know exactly what I should do? Mother Teresa leaned back and smiled and said, I will not pray that you have clarity. Clarity has to die in your life. I will not pray that, as she laughed. John was shocked and and he looked at him and said, but Mother Teresa, you've been serving amongst the poorest in the world in the house of the dying for over three decades. You have clarity. Why will you not pray that I have clarity? And Mother Teresa looked at him with a loving smile and said, I have never had clarity. I've had faith. I have trusted that I'm in the right place doing what God wants me to do. You know, friends, like God's not going to send the angel Gabriel to the end of our bed saying, do this. I wish that that was the case. That is not my experience. But as we push into God, as we spend time with him, as we gather around other Christians, as we see what God has put before us, leading and influencing our families, our work colleagues, our streets, our gyms, wherever the somewhere is, that God will give us a nudge, a glimpse of the something that we can do in his power and his strength. And then we see what happens. Be faithful, be faithful, be faithful and see what God will do through you. As I come to pray now, I know we want 100% clarity. We're not going to get it. But I pray that from that place of knowing our identity, you are the beloved of God. Knowing that authority that God has invested many things in us to make a mark in the world. That there is enough clarity that we know that we're supposed to sing the song of the Lord in the world, a song of loving God, loving others, loving ourselves correctly. And then through the priority of finding our unique role in that, that hey, let's just make ourselves available to God and do something, something like Jesus would do if he was us in our situation, with our kids, our work colleagues, our partners, our finances, whatever God would do. And so why don't we just take a time to pray and reflect on what God is saying through this right now. Firstly, I, I want to just speak to those of you who may be here, who are not yet following Jesus. You've not made a, a decision to invite Jesus, our Lord and Savior, to be the boss, the leader of your life to help you become everything you were created to be first and foremost in relationship with God, that you can love God, love others, love yourself because of everything that Jesus did through his life, death and resurrection. I want to say a a brief prayer and if as you hear this prayer, if you think, yep, I agree with that, then just agree and say amen at the end because that word amen, it simply means so be it. And so this is a prayer that Christians kind of pray in a sense every single day. But maybe today is the first time you want to pray it. And we say, Lord Jesus, I am sorry for the things that I've said and done and thought that hurt you, hurt others, hurt your world, hurt myself. Forgive me. Thank you that you love me so much that you died on the cross taking all of my failures and mistakes and all the hurt and pain that I've caused, all suffering and death, you took it on yourself and you died and then you rose again to defeat it so that I know that same power could allow these things to be defeated in my life. And so Jesus, I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me to become more like you. Free from all that holds me back. Free from all for all that I was created for. Amen. And if, if you prayed that prayer just now, if, if you felt, you know what, yeah, I want to say yes. Or you recommitted, then I want to invite you to, to go to our website, zeochurch.com forward slash connect. And and drop me a message because I'd love to be in touch with you. I'd love to encourage you, cheer you on, provide you some help and encouragement in your journey of following Jesus. Do go there today. And now a, a final prayer. Why don't the rest of us just pause? What's God saying to you right now? What's the Holy Spirit nudging you in? Just want to encourage you, don't, right where you are, don't just stare at me. Maybe just close your eyes. And just ask God, God, what are you saying? What words do you want to speak into my life? I've never heard an audible voice, but sometimes thoughts, good thoughts, God thoughts can come into my head. The kind of thing that God would want to say. I love you. I've chosen you. Make yourself available to me. Be free from comparison. The question maybe for some of us that God is saying is not, are you going to make a big difference or a small difference? The question God is saying, will you just say yes or no? Just say yes. What has God put in front of you? Where are you? How can you do something for God in your home? In your finances? With your family? So just inviting the Holy Spirit just to maybe just even speak to you. Just to show you now. The most important thing is this. The most important thing is this. Just pray, God, that you would speak to people right now. God thoughts. Speak to us now, Lord. Affirm us. Lord Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, I I invite you to come now to pray for those who are with us in this moment. And I pray for you. I pray for the power and the presence of God to rest upon you. I pray for the God who loves you and has chosen you to restore your soul, to lift your head, to realize that you have a unique place in the world, a unique sound, and you will speak it. You will live it. That you will say yes, even this week, even today, to what God is inviting you to do in the great adventure of seeing heaven break out in the world. I speak life over you in Jesus' name. I speak healing over you, destiny over you, purpose over you. There's a place for you. Your life matters you count. I break every lie that's been spoken over you in Jesus' name, that you'll never amount to anything. We break it. God was showing off when he made you. He delights in you. In the power of the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, your elder brother alongside you, the Holy Spirit inside you, empowering you and transforming you, and your Heavenly Father cheering you on, run the race with God. Start today. Thank you, Father. Be glorified, God, in and through us for the good of your world and for your glory. And we all agree and said, Amen. Amen.